0: Um, Our message today is a bright future, and it's really cool because uh, um, Dave does a good job to lead our Sunday school class this morning, and Chip Ingram uh, had uh, uh, his—we will listen to him by video, and I think you guys would probably enjoy that more than me because it was the same exact message. It's so cool. Um, But you're going to have to put up with me this morning. Uh, We're going to be looking at a bright future. The other day, I was preparing for um, my Awana lesson, and uh, for the kindergarten—or not the kindergarten—the T and T guys—and the subject that we were studying for the day was eternity. Now, eternity is not an easy subject to understand, let alone I try to explain to a grade schooler. I think, for the most part, we kind of grasp what forever means, but we have a difficult time to fathom it. And how do you describe the the depth of eternity? What's it going to be like? And of course, kids, you know, a lot of kids, they come up with some really great questions like, uh, will my dog be in heaven? And uh, will there be babies in heaven? Uh, How old will I be when I get to heaven? And and will we fly when we get to heaven? Good. Yeah, somebody said yes. (laughs) I sure hope so. As an Awana leader, um, answering these questions can be extremely challenging. However, I think uh, you ask any Awana leader and they're gonna tell you it's a privilege to work with kids, and uh, even though it's challenging at times. Which leads me to say, if you're listening or if you're in the audience here today and you work with young people, people no matter what age it is, thank you, from the bottom of my heart, Thank you for sacrificing your time, your effort, sometimes your sanity. Uh, whether you work with Awana Kids or Sunday school or nursery or children's church, thank you, thank you, thank you. I believe that God's pleased when we don't forsake the little ones. Well, Awana does an excellent job to explain to the kids God's plan of salvation. And over and over, Awana curriculum emphasizes that we are creations of God and we're here to make a choice. And we ask the students over and over, have you made that most important decision that you'll ever make in your entire life? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you asked Him to be your personal Savior? And uh, I, in Awana, I think it's so critical to ask this question because We never know. One kid will show up one week and not ever come back again. Plus the fact that it's critical to ask this question because it's going to affect everyone for eternity. Well, today, I want us to spend just a few minutes thinking about our future and maybe do a little bit of daydreaming. What our future is going to be like? In no way, no way do I plan on entertaining the question: Are there going to be dogs in heaven? Nope, not going to touch that. But we're going to look at God's uh, word this morning, and we're going to turn to Second Corinthians chapter five. So, if you've got your Bibles with us, I encourage you to turn there. We've got some other scriptures, but that's going to be our main context for today: is Second Corinthians chapter five. And I believe uh, Leanne is back there, and she's got her dialed in. So thank you, Leanne, for helping us out when we get there. But before we get into God's Word, let's uh, pray for a little bit. Heavenly Father, we again thank you for the privilege to be in your house this morning. Lord God, I thank you for um, the freedom that we have. We pray for those people that don't have that freedom this morning, that are maybe at war or maybe hiding for their own lives. And we pray for them. Um, Father, we just ask your blessing upon us as we open your scripture. May your spirit guide us and lead us. And again, we thank you for being here this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. An eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Paul is basically telling us here in this message that we're not going to live forever. We are all going to eventually die. Our earthly tents, these bodies, they're going to be destroyed They're going to wear out someday. It's estimated that our heart pumps about 100,000 times a day and about 35 million times a year and about 2.5 billion times in a lifetime. That's amazing, isn't it? If you give a tennis ball a really hard squeeze, and I did that the other day, they're pretty hard. You give it a really hard squeeze, that's about how hard your heart pumps every time. And our hearts are an amazing organ, but someday they're just going to wear out. It makes sense that Paul illustrates that right now we are in a in a tent. I think we recognize that tents are very temporary and it wouldn't be fun to live permanently in a tent. I do not have fond memories of camping. Um, I remember out in a tent, and it was raining, and I woke up, and my sleeping bag was wet. I was cold. I was miserable. Not a big fan of camping. Sorry, Dave Stanell you can have it all. <laughs> Every day you want to do that. And, of course, uh, living around here in northern Minnesota uh, in the miser- wintertime would be miserable, and we'd probably freeze to death. Except for Dave Stinell, he'd be fine. (laughs) Paul tells us that these earthly bodies, these tents, will be replaced by a permanent heavenly body. Paul also says that we are groaned and are burdened to get rid of these old bodies and put on our new bodies. Do you ever groan? It seems that when I hit about 50 years old, i really started to notice that this old body is getting more and more decrepit as every day passed and it was very wise for me not to do some of the things that i used to do for example playing football or softball or tobogganing down a hill you know my brain might be saying oh i used to do that i can do that Uh, but afterwards after i did it was like oh you dummy what did you do that for And sometimes we pay a hefty price for pushing the old body beyond what it used to be able to do. I also think we groan because this life is just really hard sometimes. Our cars break down. I'm looking at my wife because our car, my car is giving me trouble. Um, Things in our houses become disrepair and illness and sickness. They can plague us and... Our work is just tough sometimes. And politics, just makes us groan, doesn't it? It can be hard to be patient when we're told that everything in our future is going to be perfect. However, just that fact, it's going to be perfect. That can uplift us. That can brighten our spirits. We have a future to look forward to. Paul says that our bodies will be replaced by a heavenly dwelling. Again, just like eternity, we can't fathom that. It's really hard to know what our bodies are going to be like. John wrote in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Isn't that great news? We will be like God. Now let me be clear, that verse does not say that we are going to be able to do everything that God does or or has done in the past. That's not what he's saying, but we will be like him. It's very similar to what we find in Genesis chapter 1 where it's written, God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. We are creations of God in his image. What will our new bodies be like? Well, John says that we will be made in God's image. This is going to be glorious and should uplift us. Paul also talked about this when he talked to his the Philippians in chapter 3. He describes our citizenship in heaven. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to According to the working by which he is able to even subdue all things to himself, my grandson Ethan loves uh, autobots, transformers, Legos, anything that, you know, you can start out with like a car or a truck and then it transforms into something else. He just loves that. Paul says that our lowly body is going to be conformed to his glorious body. We will be changed. Again, there's going to be no sickness, no crying, no pain. Rest assured, it's going to be glorious. Are we going to be able to fly? I don't know about you, but I dream about that once in a while. I have a dream about you know, flying and through the air and gliding around and, and, and the breeze flowing through my hair, you know? Hey, it's a dream. Let me dream, okay? It's my dream. Or if we don't fly, are we going to just be able to think about being somewhere and then just be there? Are we going to be able to walk through solid objects? This should be very exciting to us, shouldn't it? We have a bright future. Of course, our new body is going to be great, but the absolute most glorious thing is that we will be with God and live with him forever. Here's where we can only imagine. Like the song says, I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. What my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? To live with God for eternity. That should uplift us. And how about seeing some of the people We haven't seen for a while. You know, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, aunts and uncles, sisters, brothers, friends. And then maybe we'll get to see some famous people, Abraham and Moses. You know, that'll be fun too. In addition to receiving our new heavenly bodies, the book of Revelation tells us that God will make a new heaven and a new earth earth just think about what that's going to be like a new heaven and a new earth with new plants new animals I mean look at the beauty that we have in our earth today it's amazing imagine what our new heaven and our new earth is going to be like well I've kind of digressed a little bit but don't you agree with me heaven's going to be great Let's get back to our scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 said, Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. God has fashioned us. The other day I was subbing in uh, high school for the art class, and the class was pottery. And it was so interesting to watch the students uh, work on their projects. They weren't working on a pottery wheel. That would have been cool, but they were working on clay and they were rolling it out on their tables, and then they would cut out a square. And what they were doing was making square clay boxes with a lid on it. And every once in a while, you'd see a student that would cut it out, and they'd look at it, and no, that wasn't good enough. They'd crumple it up and roll it back out again. Watching this process reminded me of a song that my mom and dad used to sing. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am yielded, waiting, yielded and still. Have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Being referred to as clay is an interesting concept. And Jeremiah also talked about uh, working with clay in Chapter 18, we read, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you a message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it it, as seemed best to him. A few verses later, Jeremiah goes on to say that the Lord told him to tell the nation of Israel, like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. Friends, we are clay in God's hands. It really makes sense and it helps us to understand when we look back at all the things that we've gone through in our lives. God is molding us. And shaping us by both the good and the bad things that happen to us. Some of the bad things that might be, you know, when we lose a job or when we have a fire in our house or when we lose someone close to us. Or the good things might be when we get married or when we have kids or we get that job that we always wanted. The whole time, These good and bad things, God is shaping us. He's molding us into the people he wants us to be. Many times during this molding process, we see God's blessing and it's so good, and yet many times we're in the middle of this molding process and it's very painful, and we ask, God, why is this happening to me? At times like these, it's important to remember that God always has a purpose. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. And we should strive to have the attitude and say, have thine own way, have thine own way, God. Easy to say, right? Not so easy to do. Paul said that God has fashioned us and has also given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. This is very interesting. We're familiar with the term deposit in the financial world. We talk about it all the time. Okay, when we get that hard-earned check we work worked for so hard that you know, during a one-week, two-week time, what do we do? We turn around and we put it into the bank. Then the bank gives us a receipt of that deposit. And that deposit becomes a credit on our account, allowing us to pay some bills or buy some things that we need for in living. Well, God is serious about the eternal promise he's made to us. So what does he do? He gives us the Holy Spirit as a deposit, which is a guarantee of his promise. And our receipt for this deposit, this is cool, is that the work of the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you, but I, I see God working all the time, and His Holy Spirit working in other people's lives. Just the other day, uh, Judy woke up in the middle of the night; she couldn't sleep, and a friend friend came to her mind. So, like Judy does many, many times, wakes up and thinking about somebody, she prays for them. And a few days later, that friend called. And she was curious, so she asked the friend, were you up in the middle of the night? And it turns out that she had been, and she was going through something in her life. That's just a small example of how the Holy Spirit works. And I'm sure that you have many, many stories that you could share about how you've seen the Holy Spirit work. Again, the Holy Spirit goes above and beyond what we ask or think. Jesus taught us that he sends the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, our guide for our life, and in this case, the scripture emphasizes that the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of God's promise of eternal life for us. Well, let's continue on. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Let's go on. Therefore, or because of all of this, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would be, would prefer to be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ." so that each of us may receive what is due for the things we have done while in the body, whether good or bad. Paul tells us that we can be confident of two things here. First of all, that as long as we are still in these bodies and alive on this earth, we are separated from the Lord. And then secondly, we would prefer to be with the Lord up in heaven. So, what should this knowledge and this confidence do? Well, it should produce a faith. A faith that doesn't require us to earn it. A a faith that doesn't see always the big picture, but the type of faith that understands that God is in control. The type of faith that believes and accepts what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. What do we do when we have this type of faith? Do we just sit back in our easy chair and our couches and wait for our new bodies? No, Paul writes, he says, so we make it our goal to please him. Whether we're alive here on earth or we're up in heaven, our goal should be to please God. Then the, be, the question that begs to be asked is, well, how do we know what's pleasing to God? And of course, you're going to answer me by saying, we read the Bible, right? We read the Bible, study the Holy Scriptures, and God gives us, uh, shows us what makes Him happy. And also, we know that the Holy Spirit, who lives within us, within us He gently nudges us uh, to do things that make God happy. The Holy Spirit prompts us to work for the kingdom of God. James wrote, faith without works is dead. We need to be working to please God. And why do we do that? Why do we strive to please the Lord? Well, Paul told us that we strive to please God because we know that one day we will all stand before him at his judgment seat. Everyone who is alive right now or who has died, we're all going to stand before God and be required to give an account for everything that we've done in our lives, whether it be good or bad. This knowledge should bring a fear to a person's soul because if we are found not pleasing God, he will punish us. Matthew 10, 28, Jesus was talking and he said, and do not fear those that, who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who can both destroy the body and the soul in hell. If we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, there should be no fear in our hearts. No, in fact, faith in Jesus Christ should give us freedom, a freedom that gives us comfort and peace. In closing, I would like to believe that God is pleased when we look forward to our future when we daydream a little bit about what our future is going to be be like, what heaven's going to be like, what our new bodies might be like, someday we're going to find out whether we fly or if there be dogs in heaven or how old we'll be. We're going to find out. We can't quite begin to fathom the depth of of eternity, what it's going to be like. All All I know is that I'm excited to even think about it. And I think God is looking forward to it too. Wouldn't you say? I believe that He's excited for us. Remember, we are as clay in the potter's hand. And God is working on us right now, molding us into who He wants us to be. And then someday, someday soon, He's going to transform this lowly body. Into a heavenly body, which makes sense because we're going to be in heaven, right? We need a heavenly body. Friends, I hope you find encouragement from God's word today that tells us don't fear, have hope, be of good cheer, have courage, live without fear, be strong in the Lord, and be at peace because we're almost there. In fact, I think eternity is closer than we think. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you so much for your scripture that gives us encouragement. And Jesus, thank you so much for dying on the cross for us and and, uh, giving us hope and uh, taking us away from fear that is so much in our world today. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone that's in the audience or listening, if they haven't Uh, dedicated their life to you. I pray that they do it even now, right now, Father. Just send your Holy Spirit to work in their life. Help them to dedicate their life totally and completely to you. Father, we thank you for the fact that we could be here today. We thank you for the freedom that you give to us. And we look forward to living with you forever. And I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.